Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. The Vatican's recent repudiation of the Doctrine of Discovery comes a year after the Pope's apology and tour of Native communities in Canada. The Catholic Church shelved the doctrine shortly after it was issued, but the language has influenced colonial decisions for centuries. The decree was used as legal and religious justification by Europeans to seize land and subjugate indigenous peoples in Africa and what they call the New World. Today we'll break down this new action by the Vatican. That's right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The VA is waiving copays for American Indian and Alaska Native veterans. The Department of Veterans Affairs announced Monday that eligible Native veterans are no longer required to make copayments for health care or urgent care received through the VA. Under the new policy, the VA will reimburse copays paid on or after January 5th, 2022. And starting Tuesday, April 4th, veterans can submit documents to qualify for the copay exemption. VA officials say eliminating copays will help make health care more affordable and accessible for Native veterans. Those interested in taking part in the new rule need to fill out a VA tribal documentation form. According to the VA, this is estimated to impact about 25,000 Native veterans. More information can be found online at va.gov. The U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services met with students at Haskell Indian Nations University in Lawrence, Kansas late last week. Admiral Rachel Levine, an advocate for LGBT medicine, is working with the Indian Health Service on LGBTQ issues. One challenge, says Dr. Levine, is lack of data within IHS. We are trying to ask the Indian Health Service to collect sexual orientation, gender identity data. Now that would be solely on a voluntary basis. So if you don't want to answer, you don't have to answer. But without asking the questions, you don't know. And there are specific ways to respectfully ask the questions and to ask it in, in ways that uh, people have flexibility in terms of how they answer. Dr. Levine says the data would help in providing care. Dr. Levine is the first openly transgender federal official confirmed by the U.S. Senate. The Indian Health Service is a division within the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. North Dakota is home to a tribal college that's successful in conserving energy. The success is a reflection of overcoming colonialism and gaining access to key resources, according to the school. Turtle Mountain Community College sits in the heart of the Turtle Mountain Reservation. Facilities manager Wes Davis is leading an effort to lower the energy bill of the college by 300 percent. He did this through controlling the 256 geothermal heating and cooling pumps in the school, each equipped with their own sensor. Davis says colonialism has imposed a worldview on indigenous people that has impacted how they sustain themselves. He suggests that includes access to advanced infrastructure. We need to be able to understand how to develop our power, our energy, and how to get it to our communities. In this particular area, Davis says the obstacles largely stemmed from native populations being excluded from rural electric cooperatives. But he says there's now some positive movement in easing that tension, with tribal communities expressing interest in establishing their own co-ops. Davis hopes that what the school has been able to accomplish eventually leads to lower energy costs for indigenous communities surrounding the campus. I wanted our community to be healthier and a better quality of life for them and not have to be taxed all winter long 
about worrying about, are they going to be able to come home to a warm home? Davis not only wants the college to be sustainable, he wants it to teach the community and inspire residents to build more energy-efficient homes. A future goal for Turtle Mountain Community College involves a vocational HVAC program and solar and renewable energy schooling. This story was produced with original reporting from Jessica Plants from Homegrown Stories in collaboration with the Solutions Journalism Network. And the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe's Be Well program we told you about on Monday was all just for fun. Happy April Fools as we kick off the month. Be well. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The Indian Arts and Crafts Board promotes Indian artists of federally recognized tribes through its online source directory. Information on this no-charge opportunity available at doi.gov IACB who support this program. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The Vatican's Doctrine of Discovery gave moral standing for imperial Europeans to seize land and sovereign rights from indigenous people all over the globe. The 500-year-old doctrine has been a legal and political guidepost for centuries. Now, after decades of pressure, the Vatican formally repudiates the decree. The move comes a year after Pope Francis apologized to indigenous nations in Canada for past abuses by the Church. Today we'll explore what this most recent action means, how it's received by indigenous people, and what difference it might make in real terms. The Doctrine of Discovery, officially renounced. That's our focus today, and you can join the conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also comment on our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is one 800 Speaking with us from Long Beach, California, is Steve Newcomb. He is the author of Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery, and co-founder and director of the Indigenous Law Institute. He is Shawnee in Lenape. Steve, welcome back to Native America Calling. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Also joining us today is Bruce McIver. Bruce is in Ottawa, Canada, where he is a lawyer and partner at First Peoples Law. He is also the author of Standoff, Why Reconciliation Fails Indigenous People and How to Fix It. He is Métis. Bruce, welcome back to NAC as well. Thank you, Sean. Well, gentlemen, it's taken 500 years, but the Doctrine of Discovery has finally been renounced by the Catholic Church. Steve, let's start with you. Is this a great day in Native America, or is it perhaps too little too late? What's your thought? 
Well, let me begin by, <clears throat> pardon me, setting the context for the conversation, which is uh, really best stated as the starting point of the original free and independent existence of our nations and peoples extending back to the beginning of time, contrasted with the system of domination that was brought by ship across the ocean from Western Christendom and imposed on everyone and everything here in this part of the world. And of course, uh, the documents that we're talking about with regard to the system of domination, the Vatican Papal Bull documents, they uh, also went uh, elsewhere in the world. So we're really talking about a global phenomenon and something that has been in motion for centuries. And we're dealing with the aftermath of all that. Uh, I also want to acknowledge my friend and mentor, Virgil Kilstreet, with whom I started the, uh, founded the Indigenous Law Institute. And Virgil was a traditional headman of the Oglala Lakota Nation, a ceremonial man. And uh, he passed uh, to the spirit world on February 10th of 2019. But I always like to remember him because uh, acknowledge his contribution to these efforts, because without him, I wouldn't be the person I am today, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing in the manner that I'm doing it. Uh, that said, I think that the the Vatican statement uh, has a lot of merit in, in some regards, because it does place this very fully on the on the global stage. I think that it um, has a, a number of factual errors that have to be dealt with. I think that it uh, does not come clean about the true nature of those Vatican documents and the language that they contain, which is some horrific language I can get into. Uh, but they are quick to quote the papal bull of 1537, the bull sublimus deus, which uh, Pope Paul III issued, and it has very favorable language in there, so they don't mind quoting that. But that particular papal document was revoked 10 days later according to Wilkham Washburn in his book, Red Man's Land, White Man's Law. And uh, so, you know, this statement by a number of Vatican officials that somehow the Papal Bull of 1537 revoked those earlier uh, documents is, is factually incorrect. So that's just one part of it. But um, it's, I think it's a very positive development. And, um, uh, but, but saying that they repudiate something that has resulted in the Vatican having something on the order of, I saw a statistic, statistic recently that the Vatican owns something like 177 million acres of land across the planet, and how much of that is uh, Native Nation land, you know, that has uh, directly gone to the Vatican as a result of these Vatican documents we're talking about. And I might add the the claim of a right of domination that is uh, made in those documents. Mm -hmm. Well, Steve, thank you for this background. Really insightful. Uh, lots of facts you share, especially regarding the papal bull of 1537. So you said that was revoked after 10 days. So it was initially a, a response that in some way perhaps repudiated the doctrine of discovery then, all, all those years ago, uh, but then it, it was revoked. So, you know, kind of what happened to that? And, and, and where does the doctrine of discovery lay along that historic historical narrative? 
Well, I mean, I think we have to be really clear with what we're talking about. What is the doctrine of discovery and why has it been called that? The Johnson versus McIntosh ruling from 1823 in that decision, Chief Justice John Marshall called it the right of discovery. It's a little different than a doctrine, but he's really saying that it's a right of some sort. And by the way, this is the 200th year since that decision was issued. But in any case, the idea was that they had the right to go to distant non-Christian lands, they as the Christian world, and to impose their system uh, of religion and uh, ideology and so forth on those peoples they consider to be heathens and infidels. And those uh, documents from the 15th century, for example, the papal bull of Doom Diversus from 1452 and then the Romanus Pontifex from 1455 state very clearly that the monarch of, uh, of Portugal is to go to the western coast of Africa and to invade and capture, vanquish and subdue uh, all Saracens, pagans and other enemies of Christ to reduce their persons to perpetual slavery and to take away all their possessions and property. That's horrific language. And uh, what's really interesting, and in going back and looking at that in more detail, I noticed that it's connected to the idea that there's a mandate that comes from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, which says that uh, Jesus Christ is quoted as saying that um, all authority is given to him, and go therefore and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So in order to baptize all nations and carry out that mandate, they believed they had to go to all parts of the planet and identify those places where peoples uh, of a non-Christian orientation were existing and living, and then to impose their system upon them. And at that time, it was understood that there was a war, a perpetual war between Christians, all Christians, and infidels uh, or non-Christians. And so that's really what we're talking about here. With It's not so much a doctrine. It's a whole way of thinking. It's a claim of a right of domination against non-Christian nations and peoples that has behind it tremendously uh, negative, destructive language that has resulted and the destruction of our languages, culture, spiritual traditions, a displacement from most of our ancestral lands and so forth to the advantage and benefit of all the dominating societies that have partaken in all of that. Now, Steve, beyond this official renunciation, and, and we'll just we'll use that uh, for lack of a better term, but... Uh, what else is the Vatican saying right now? You mentioned earlier some factual errors with some statements that have come out. Well, particularly the one in, in, that I've already mentioned, that's uh, probably the, um, the central one, trying to say that the, um, or imply that the earlier papal bulls were overturned by the papal bull of 1537. Uh, that's certainly one particular error. And I think just generally this idea that they somehow the, what's being called the doctrine of discovery and everything that I've already mentioned had nothing to do with Catholic teaching is incorrect because okay. I, 
I've just made the connection between Matthew 28, 18, 18 through 20, and these documents and the way in which they're written. And they say very clearly that the Pope has in mind all the nations. Uh, and so he's in the remote places. So he's talking about the need to go to those uh, places, remote places, send these representatives of their world, the, the monarchs of um, monarchs of Portugal. He's referring to the king and, the, and Prince Henry the Navigator by using monarchs. Uh, but in any case, to go and identify those places, but he says that they're uh, like athletes and intrepid champions, and he says that they need to vanquish the infidels and to uh, subdue them, subject them to the dominions of the monarchs. So there's uh, today what the Vatican is saying is that Matthew 28 and other aspects of the Bible, the Christian message is all about love and and love your neighbor and all those things. Well, they've always, there's always been a profess uh, a way in which that has been professed, but the evidence is in the actual language and wording. Uh, in those Vatican documents. So, for example, in the Papal Bull of May 4th, 1493, the Inter-Cetera or Inter-Cytera Papal Bull, it says that um, they're talking about lands discovered and to be discovered, that, um, well, right. let me... Steve, I'm sorry, we're, we're going to have to take a break, but I'm definitely going to go ahead and let you continue when we come back from break. And again, the overarching question here is, uh, in light of, of some of these factual errors that you mentioned, uh, the question stands, is this now too little too late, this uh, formal official renunciation? We're going to talk more with Steve Newcomb right after this break. Information about the rights and significance of hair when it comes to Native people is widely available. But every so often, school officials or some other entity tries to force Native people to cut their hair. We'll look at some recent incidents and discuss the periodic attempts to enforce errant hair policies. That's on the next Native America Calling. If you are age 45 years or older, it may be time to talk with a healthcare professional about colon cancer screening. Medicare, Medicaid, and the Marketplace have you covered. For more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're discussing the recent move by the Vatican to repudiate the doctrine of discovery, and we're getting perspectives on what that actually means. So please, let us hear your thoughts. Are you happier now that a 500-year-old decree used to justify the taking of Native lands has finally been laid to rest? Or do you think a repudiation is meaningless now, after the impacts of so many centuries of colonialism on Native peoples? Tell us what you think by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also post on our social media, our Twitter handle, 1-800-99-NATIVE. On the line now is Steve Newcomb. He's the author of Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. And Steve, right before we went to break, uh, you were talking about how the church has reframed some of its earlier 
justifications of conquest into these contemporary messages of love and unity. Please continue what you were saying. Thank you, yes. Well, uh, just to complete that thought, uh, one of the papal bulls that we're talking about uh, has a sentence in it which says, we trust in him, with a capital H on him, from whom empires and dominations and all good things proceed. So that envisions their deity as being the source of empires and dominations and all good things that come from that many riches and wealth. The other sentence uh, in Latin, uh, it, I hate to get into the technical part of it, but to que subactuali, Dominio temporali alicorum dominorum Christianorum constitute non assent. What that means is lands that are not established under the domination of any Christian dominators. Now, the, the Vatican statement says that the popes, the, the, the popes, that would imply that all popes have condemned acts of violence, oppression, social injustice, and slavery. But how can they say a statement like that when there's the record of these popes that very much endorsed all of these uh, horrific uh, acts of destruction and devastation and subjugation, the word you used at the outset uh, of the show, uh, and, and, and issued those documents over and over again. And those continue to play out in the U.S. federal Indian law system, in the Canadian law system, and elsewhere in the world. And those patterns of domination are ongoing today. So what it means in terms of this particular doctrine or document, I guess I should say, the statement about the doctrine of discovery has yet to be determined because we have to be the ones to decide what that meaning is. And okay. we can't take the word for uh, you know, we can't take at face value what the Vatican officials are saying because they're only stating things to the benefit of their um, of, of their side of the equation, their view from the ship and our view from the shore. That's the contrast that we're dealing with. So I, I commend them for having taken the step, but it's it's a step. That's a good thing. Okay. All right. Well, Steve, uh, thank you again for kicking off our conversation. And uh, that was a good reading of Latin there. I took Latin in high school, and I think uh, my high school Latin teacher would be impressed by how well you quoted some of those verses there in that ancient tongue. And at this point, I would like to pivot to our next guest on the show, Bruce McIver. Again, Bruce is up in Ottawa, Canada, and uh, he's an author and an attorney. And uh, Bruce, uh, what are you hearing among Métis and First Nations communities in Canada? Do they consider this recent renunciation by the Vatican significant, both historically and at present? Yeah, thanks. I think it is sig of sig significant, but there is also a lot of concern that the Vatican has not totally come clean with the statement that it made last week. I think one of the concerns that you'll hear in Canada is that there seems to be a certain level of buck passing in the Vatican statement that, uh, to sum it up, my reading is they say, well, that's not really what we meant, and it was these colonizing countries misapplied our teachings, and we've done a lot of good things, mm -hmm. and please forgive us for someone else misapplying our papal bulls. I don't think that's accurate. I think the first step 
as we all know in reconciliation, is telling the truth first. And I don't think that is the truth. And so it's disappointing that the Vatican went there. Secondly, and very importantly, I think action is required. I was disappointed that the Vatican didn't say something to the effect that these current colonial governments, U.S., Canada, Australia, they now have a responsibility to take steps to address the wrong that was done. They didn't do that, and the church didn't say what it was going to do itself. Uh, the church owns hundreds, thousands of acres of land. Uh, what are they doing to address these these concerns? In okay. Canada, there's a growing land back movement here. I would like to see the church commit to giving the land back. Okay, yeah, and let's talk more uh, about that land back movement in Canada and how these recent events are going to impact that. But I, you made a really good point there regarding some of this spin uh, that's being placed on this issue. And again, so the church created this mess, and now... Uh, it's in the hands of these governments, right? The Canadian government, the United States government, other governments around the world who are having to clean it up. And that's definitely something that, that needs to be addressed as well. So before we do that, though, let's go ahead and go to the phones where we have Jen listening online in East Texas. Hello, Jen. Hi, thanks so much for taking my call. This is of great importance to me. It's part of what I'm writing in a book. And I, I was so thrilled when I heard the announcement. When I, but when I heard how kind of uh, nonchalantly they were putting this off, uh, you know, onto the past or whatever, that that's really not taking responsibility. And and I don't think it's just uh, an issue in Canada. This is an issue all around the globe. And I think that the more of I, I really. Had, admonish those people in Canada who've really worked really hard toward this, but I'd like to see, you know, more of us in the USA who work toward this, uh, whether you're, you know, uh, you know, first of all, we need to let many more people know that it was actually a document that was ever written, and this is why things are still happening, like when the, when the Supreme Court, you know, uses it to back up their decisions. This is a very important document that needs to be not just repudiated, but they need to rewrite what they what their intentions are today. And thank you so much. And I want to and I'm so I love all the other people have made statements here. And I'm very anxious to read the book on the pagans um, in a promised land. And I, I appreciate you making this up. Uh, available to all of us to call in today. And I, I'd like to know more of what what are we going to do to okay. have the church move forward. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you, Jen, uh, for, for that call. And uh, so, yeah, Bruce, I, I'd like to have you respond to that because, okay, here we are, you know, you know, last year the Pope issued this formal apology, and now the Doctrine of Discovery has been renounced. So, what else does the Catholic Church need to do to address this tumultuous history in dealing with indigenous peoples in the Americas and elsewhere? What's the next step, Bruce? Yeah, I think one of the next steps 
as I say, is action. Um, I did I did an interview on this in Canada yesterday, and I got a couple of calls from different churches in Canada saying, hey, we heard you on the radio. How can we give land back? How can we do it? Let's be part of that. I didn't get any calls from any Catholic ch- ch- churches. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I think it's really important that there be emphasis on the pressure on politicians. This isn't just a church thing. Uh, Indigenous people across Canada and the U.S. deal with the reality of these doctrines every day. Because as we heard, this is the 200th anniversary of the McIntosh decision from the U.S. Supreme Court relying on the doctrine and making it a legal principle that underlies property law in the U.S. and in Canada and denies Indigenous rights to their own land. We deal with this every day, and now it's up to politicians and the courts to address it directly. All righty. Bruce, thank you uh, for that response. And Steve, I'd like to give you a chance to respond as well to our caller, Jen in Texas, who is asking, what now, what next? Well, I think we have to continue the dialogue and to uh, look at uh, the correct way to understand the history as one one step. I think that the um, the claim of a right of domination is something that is global, and that's a very excellent statement that Jen made. And so, the what is what does it mean for the world order? to be organized on the basis of a claim of a right of domination over everyone and everything. That's not in keeping with our traditional teachings or our knowledge systems, our wisdom systems. So I think that we need to have uh, more of our knowledge keepers and our wisdom keepers uh, out there being heard much more widely so that the true nature of our systems can finally, uh, you know, come to the surface and be, acknowledged for what they are, you know, mm-hmm. countless generations of accumulated knowledge and wisdom ought to mean something very important to the world rather than, you know, this legacy of having tried to wipe all that out. It's just horrific what has happened. And we have to acknowledge the the children that were uh, so horrifically treated in the so-called residential schools and boarding schools. Uh, that, you know, the, the, this idea that you can just tear children away from their loved ones and families and put them in institutions and subject them to horrific behavior, all that is reverberating still within our families and our communities and our nations to this day. So a lot of healing has to occur, and, uh, and we're, you know, we're working on that. So we have to okay. come to terms with it in a very accurate way. And I'm glad you mentioned healing, because whenever we do these types of shows that address historical traumas, I'm always inclined to view these issues through that lens of healing. So let's let's revisit that uh, a little bit later in the conversation. But I would like to pivot back to Bruce. And and Bruce, earlier you mentioned the growing land back movement there in, in Canada. And can you tell us how else the doctrine of discovery affects Indigenous communities in present-day Canada? Sure. It's the basis of the provincial and federal government's claim to Indigenous lands. 
in Canada. Uh, it sits on this house of cards. It's the same in the U.S. The claim and individuals, companies that say they own this land, that they've got a certificate of indefeasible title to land, they buy and sell land, uh, it all comes back to both the doctrine and the Marshall decisions from the U.S. Supreme Court that those principles came across the border in the late 19th century into Canada, and they underpin the property system here in Canada. So Indigenous people deal with it every day. You'll see in the news um, land back movement, the opposition to pipelines in Canada. Well, those pipelines are being pushed through by federal, provincial governments, by international corporations. When you come right down to it, their claim to the land to build those pipelines is based on this doctrine. So it's a real thing for Indigenous people every day across the country. Okay. All righty. Uh, and let's pivot back to Steve. Now, Steve, our caller, Jen, she also cited uh, the 2005 Supreme Court ruling by uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and, and that had to do with Onondaga land claims back in 2005. Can you comment here? we got to go to break in a few minutes, but if you could just uh, briefly kind of summarize the significance of, of the Ginsburg citing with regard to the doctrine of discovery. Well, what it showed is that the um, that what we're calling the doctrine of discovery, the claim of right of domination, is actually uh, alive and well in the U.S. system, a very active principle, and uh, they consider it to be uh, "quote unquote" good law. Uh, she re- expressed some regret at the end of her life uh, for having uh, made that statement in footnote number one in City of Cheryl versus Oneida Indian Nation of New York. But I think that's the the key point here is that it's it's very active and ongoing <clears throat> and um uh, but most people don't even know what that means and so if we and it would be a in a whole nother show i suppose to mm-hmm. get into the nitty gritty of it but the the use of the Bible and Christianity against our nations and peoples is is really a terrible thing. And how is it that the United States government has managed to get away with it? Well, uh, this aspect of federal Indian law and policy, quite frankly, has not been acknowledged very well by the practitioners of federal Indian law, and and they tend to shy away from it. The Yakima Nation, and uh, I believe it was 2017, I'm sorry I was spacing on the date, but nonetheless in the Cougar Cougar Den case, they brought all of this out in the open in their amicus brief to the Supreme Court. It was the first time that a Native nation had directly challenged the doctrine of Christian discovery and domination, uh, genocide, and all these other uh, aspects of, of the system in a legal brief to the Supreme Court. It was very historic, and so they deserve tremendous praise for having done that. But that's a very practical type of thing that can be done to be able to push this forward and create the fundamental reforms that are needed. 
Today's focus uh, on the show, the Vatican's uh, Doctrine of Discovery. It gave moral standing uh, for Europeans to seize land and sovereign rights. And, and on our show today, we've got both Steve Newcomb and Bruce McIver. And we're having a really enlightening conversation now with regard to this recent uh, decree uh, by the Vatican uh, that repudiates uh, the Doctrine of Discovery. So give us a call. Anyone listening who has something to say about this issue, do you think it impacts your life on a day-to-day basis as a Native American, this 500-year-old doctrine uh, being formally repudiated by the Vatican? I'd love to hear your thoughts. We would love to hear your thoughts. Our producers are standing by. The phone number, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848 to share your thoughts live on the air. Native America calling So give us a call. What are you waiting for? We would love to hear your thoughts. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This Easter, you can find truly unique gifts and menu items from SweetgrassTradingCo.com, a Ho-Chunk Inc. company, where you can choose from a variety of food, beauty, and wellness items from tribes across Turtle Island. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Support by Vision Maker Media, envisioning a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate. 45-plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at VisionMakerMedia.org. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Lots of time to share comments or questions about the Doctrine of Discovery on our show today. The number to join the conversation is 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. Let's get some more calls going here. We want to hear your thoughts on what the recent Vatican repudiation really means. 1-800-996-2848 is the number to call. And with that, we have a caller on the line right now, Mark who is listening on KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hello, Mark. Halito, Halito Stephen, long time no see. Um, we've first met in Eugene, Oregon, where you, when you were debuting your film and I've long been a fan of your legal publishing. Um, I think while the Pope might be a nicer guy than previous Popes, um, and it's nice to apologize, but a real apologize, a, a real apology is like, hey, land back. How <laughs> about the gold and the silver that was mined with indigenous and African free labor? Um, I want to comment about, you know, Christianity is an original indigenous African religion spoken in Peshitta, not Latin, and basically land-based, sacred feminine. The practitioners of that form of Christianity, Aramaic-based Christianity, have not led wars of conquest, no slavery, no genocide, and still exist today. So as an addictions therapist, it's kind of like the addiction to white supremacy and racism, okay. which has been upheld, needs to be rejected, and our healing ways, more humane healing ways, need to be promoted. And as an addiction therapist, I'm all about increasing your humanity 
and decreasing your addiction to racism and domination. Okay, that was Mark uh, listening on KUNM in Albuquerque. And uh, Halito to you too, Mark. Uh, spent a little bit of time in Choctaw country over the years. And Steve, I'd like to, to respond to this because uh, Mark raises a, a really good issue here, right? I mean, let, let's be realistic here, right? I mean, stolen land, gold, silver. I, I mean, what can we really realistically expect for the Catholic Church and the Vatican to, to really do. I mean, now it's time, okay, they, they've made these apologies, they've they've issued this declaration, but in terms of, of real, actual, tangible impacts uh, that the church can make, realistically, I mean, they're not going to give all this land back, right? They're not going to give all this stolen gold and silver, but what can we realistically expect them to do going forward? Well, I think we have to um, be conscious of our assumptions and the assumptions that we make and be careful to not limit ourselves by our assumptions. So a lot of times we make statements that uh, kind of have a conclusion built into the statement, but sometimes it's better to ask questions and to say, well, uh, what can be done? What are these, what are the steps that we can take to create a better way of life for everyone and everything? How do we find points of commonality despite whatever differences we might have? How do we engage in excellent communication with one another, even if we may have different points of view? And I think that's really what it's all about. It's about identity. It's about our languages, cultures, our spiritual traditions, our ceremonies. And, and how do we restore that? How do we heal and, um, from all the wreckage, you know, that's been caused? Right. And I think that these are, these are the profound questions. Now, whether the Vatican is going to uh, part with any land or, you know, the gold in St. Peter's Cathedral, uh, this type of thing, you know, that's a whole other uh, aspect of this. But... I think we just need to continue pressing forward. I mean, I've been at this for for a long time, most of my life, and uh, um, 68 today, in fact, and began this when I was quite young, about 50 years ago as a kid. So it's uh, it's been a healing path for me, and I think it's just kind of representative of all of us. What we're trying to do is come to terms with the confusion and figure out how to create a better world. And that's certainly not premised upon a claim of a right of domination. Right, right. Well, let's, uh, let's dig deeper now into this issue of healing. And, and Bruce, I, I want to go back to you. I mean, we've talked about uh, some of these atrocities, uh, young people, children forcibly removed from their homes, sent off to boarding school, uh, all of these injustices over the centuries. But of course, ultimately, as Native people, the goal is to heal and to grow stronger and uh, to to enrich and and uh, ensure that our communities continue to prosper going forward. So how do we do that? How do we take some of these issues in context? Uh, a 500-year-old decree by the Vatican, and now an apology and a repudiation. How do we use some of these events to move forward so we can heal ourselves and our communities? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think sometimes we focus too much on what the Vatican has to say, 
I think we need to bring this back to the local level. I think there are church congregations all across U.S., Canada, and those members of the congregations need to ask their leadership, what are they doing? Let's do something specific and local. I get asked this a lot, and I have two things that I come back that are concrete things. One of them is you should be sharing the benefits of the land. Congregations should be making solid, specific steps to ensure that the Indigenous people whose lands they are on and they claim get to share in the benefits of those lands. So you will see a lot of congregations across North America buying, selling, redeveloping their so-called properties. What are they doing so that the Indigenous people actually share in, in, those, in those benefits? Second, including the Indigenous people whose lands you are on in the decision-making about those lands. I think that's a real concrete local thing that Christians can do and have a moral imperative to become involved in. You can't just keep pointing the finger at the Vatican. You have mm. to do something local. All right. And, and Bruce, I mean, some people might be inclined to think to themselves, well, look, this is a very old decree. You know, how relevant is it really in a modern context? And as Native people, we know the history, but when you think of other people that might be listening on the show, non-Native folks, uh, what do you want them to really understand uh, about the doctrine of discovery? What's what's the takeaway for some of those listeners? Mm-hmm. This is the fundamental principle that so much of non-Indigenous people's economic wealth is based on. I tell people this all the time. When they buy and sell property, whether it's in the U.S. or in Canada, they are engaging with the doctrine. When they sock that money away in an investment fund, this is how they're going to pay for their retirement or they're passing it on to their children, they're engaging in the doctrine. Because this isn't just a church principle. As we've talked about, this became the underpinning principle for property law in the U.S. and Canada. So in Canada, we don't, you know, we're good Canadians. We don't like using uh, this phrase, doctrine of dis- discovery. So what we call it here in Canada is the assertion of crown sovereignty. Mm-hmm. All laws in Canada are based on that. That's just a euphemism for the doctrine. So when de- de- decisions are made about the land, whether it's at a municipal, uh, state, federal level, they're engaging with the doctrine. And I think it's really important that non-Indigenous people are aware of that and that it's a lie that their legal system is based on. All right. And uh, Bruce, you you mentioned that's interesting regarding the, the Canadian government. And do you anticipate a response by the Canadian federal government uh, after this move by the Vatican? 
Well, they've responded in a soft way, saying that it's about time and that we're working towards recon- reconciliation. But from my perspective, it's not serious enough yet. Here in Canada, the federal government is currently engaged in developing a plan around implementing the United Nations um, um, Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. And while they're invested in that, they're not, they're not keying in on the fact that the doctrine of discovery is alive and well. They're not dealing with it directly. And I think until we do it, until we have that truth telling about it, that it's not just a historical relic that the church apologizes for, it's a current issue. It underpins the current colonization of indigenous lands that is still going on across the U.S. and Canada. Until we do that in a meaningful way, we're not going to have true reconciliation. Steve, I know that you have a lyric that you would like to share uh, before we wrap up the show. But before we do that, I do just want to touch on the issue of Manifest Destiny, because down here in the States, uh, we hear, I remember growing up in school, you know, that was what was taught in the history courses, for better or worse, was the whole concept of Manifest Destiny. And how closely does Manifest Destiny tie into the doctrine of discovery? of it. It's the doctrine of domination that we're talking about, right? And uh, in fact, my friend Joe DeGaudi, who was the chairman of the Yakima Nation when they submitted that amicus brief to the Supreme Court, he's uh, created something called redthought.org, redthought.org. And Peter DeRico, the author of Federal Anti-Indian Law that just came out, and, and Joe DeGaudi and I have about 60 hours of content there on Red Thought that people can go to and and become very educated about all these issues. Um, and, and one of the things that we did recently deal with is the concept of manifest destiny. So that's a, a really uh, wonderful thing. And then I also work with my daughter, Shauna, Blue Star Newcomb, on uh, a number of, of um courses and and different uh, presentations, along with our documentary movie, The Doctrine of Discovery, Unmasking the Domination Code, that I created with my friend uh, uh, Sheldon Wolfchild from the Dakota Nation. And some of the traditional healers up north, above the U.S.-Canadian line, are using our documentary movie as a means of assisting people to really come to terms with the big picture of what's been going on, why there's so much dysfunction and heartache and trauma within our communities and how we can begin to heal from that. So uh, some of those healers are doing tremendous work with our, with our materials. So it's pretty wonderful to know that. All righty. And Steve, uh, we do have a couple of minutes before we're going to wind down. So I I understand you have a lyric titled uh, the turtle Island lyric that you would like to share with us before we wrap up. Call it turtle Island nations, but uh, uh, it's, Turtle Island, we are the Turtle Island nations, praying for all our relations, entirely free originally, forever that way we should rightfully be rejecting claimed discovery. They say they discovered our lands and our lives, 
We all know that's nothing but lies with a colonial design to dehumanize. You can't discover another nation's home with permission from a pope in Rome and rightfully impose a capital dome, kings and queens and potentates bearing symbols of church and state claimed a right to dominate. Their ancestors sailed under color of God, divine right to take that was nothing but fraud. We're sustained by our spirituality and our abiding reality. So they've tried to destroy our sacred sites and ceremonial places, but we've held tight. They're never going to erase us from this blue orb of day and night with living waters and sunlight. We pray for all the elements of life. We are the Buffalo Nations, praying for all our relations, entirely free originally, forever that way we should rightfully be, rejecting assumed superiority. We know water is life for everyone. Decolonize your mind. Steve, I want to thank you so much uh, for sharing that lyric as you have. And also, uh, Bruce, uh, really appreciate you joining the show as well. This has been just a, a fantastic conversation and uh, learned so much today, not only about this recent renunciation, but also so much history. The show has been really rich in history with regard to the role of the Catholic Church uh, in indigenous communities uh, across the globe, and of course, especially here uh, in the Americas or Turtle Island, as we so often refer to it here on Native America Calling, as well as uh, in other parts of, of Native America as well. So really appreciate you uh, for joining us, but we have now reached the end of our hour. So once again, thank you, Steve Newcomb and Bruce McIver for sharing insights and perspectives on the papal renunciation of the doctrine of discovery. Join us again tomorrow as we take a look at the unique significance of native hair and why certain institutions, organizations, and individuals are having trouble recognizing it. I'm Sean Spruce. You've been listening to the one, the only, Native America Calling. Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. Support from the Self-Governance Communication and Education Tribal Consortium, presenting the 2023 Tribal Self-Governance Conference at the River Spirit Resort starting June 26th. Registration closes June 23rd at tribalselfgov.org. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.